the Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest ball. <laughs> with Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This yeah, microphone put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal. 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 Mr.comer on weei.com. What week is this? Week eight? Week eight of the regular season? Patriots, Bills? No, this isn't week eight, is it? I believe it's week eight because they are two and four and they missed a week. Yes, so I'm correct. This is week eight. Always yeah. correct. Off to a very good start with this podcast. Sure are. Um, but Cam Newton said this week is a must-win game, which he's not wrong, but he also kind of said last week was run a must-win in a way, too, because they run out of excuses. But I, th- I think this one is legitimate. This is a must-win game if they have any hopes of winning the division. Yeah, we've talked about it. Anybody that thinks this season isn't going down the crapper, one of the aspects of that hope was that, well, you can still beat the Bills twice and you're right back in the division, blah, blah, blah. And there's truth to that. There's definitely truth to that. But I would also say, you mentioned Newton saying the the excuse bucket was just about empty last week. I would also say you had Bill Belichick the week before bitching about no practice, no practice, no practice. They got plenty of practice, still got their asses whooped. Now it's a must-win game. The problem when you when you put so much emphasis on a game is then when you lose that game, you're like, uh, well, now what? And right. So if this is a must-win game and the quarterback, who's a team captain, says it's a must-win game and we all agree with him on the outside world, then the season's basically over at 4 o'clock on Sunday if you lost the game. Yeah. Right? That was kind of my point the last week. Like when they lost to the 49ers, that before the game they had, you know, we, Bill used a practice excuse. They practiced last week. Newton used the excuse buckets getting low because it was. They got their injured players back. They had practice. Like Cam was back. Like they had no excuses and they got their ass kicked. And then it was kind of just like, well, then it was like, oh, Cam has the COVID fog. And like, oh my God. Oh my God. Can we not do that? The COVID I'm, fog. I'm not doing it. I'm just saying people, people did it. There was a story in the Globe on it. Yes, that, that was a very Globe-like uh, story, a gro- Globe-style story. He's got the COVID fog. I mean, can we make any more excuses? He stinks. He has stunk. Um, when did he get corona? Was it before the Raiders game? Because he stunk in, that, stunk in that game, too. Well, right? they, some people are starting to go back. Well, maybe he showed signs back then, too. So then how did he pass all his tests up until that point? I know, I know, I know. The hell are we talking about? He had a million false negatives? I'm just, I'm just telling you the excuses that have been trying to get made. Here's the excuse. Maybe he's not that good anymore. I think that's valid. And compound. So the greatest quarterback of all time, when he had no weapons a year ago, looked like a very average quarterback. Now a average quarterback with no weapons looks like a crappy quarterback. Makes yep. sense, right? It's all very logical, very simple, because um, they have no weapons. We, we've said that forever, and now that list grows with Julian Edelman undergoing a procedure that yeah. Bill Belichick said not season-ending, probably. Yep. But, but he's not I mean, a doctor, so he, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, I actually thought he talked more about it than I expected him to talk about it in his Friday uh, video call. Uh, but ESPN reporting he'll miss some time, which is – Really, really helpful. I'm not even really sure what that means. I think, I think your your guy, Crapsheet, said this morning he'll likely go on IR, so that's three games. Yeah, but that, I mean, I assume somebody who's who's having a procedure or surgery is going to miss a couple games, so we really have no idea. He, uh, I mean, no. the most informative, you know, we're, the most informative was Bill, not season ending. That's very definitive, right? 
Right. Other than that, we have some time. He's going on IR. I don't know about you, but IR has lost any meaning to me. Yeah, me too. Because it's three weeks and you can re- return as many as you want. So it's like it has become a nothing designation. It's basically if, if, like you're week to week. It, it's basically the same as a guy like missed a day of practice. If he's out in practice in the old days, you're like, well, this is more than nothing if he's flat out missing practice. Now IR is the same thing. It's like, oh, whatever, he's dealing with something, but going on IR doesn't matter. We need a roster spot, so yeah. Right, right. Um, But the bigger picture issue is the offense stinks, the passing game stinks, and now even though he had done nothing, your best receiver won't be out there. Your second best receiver likely won't be out there with Nikhil Harry missing practice with a head injury. Um, So now you have the undrafted, uh, converted division two and three. Three Practice squad. like special teams combination. I mean, I almost feel bad for Cam. It's a must-win game. His career is dangling by like floss, dental floss, and he's got like non-receivers to. His throw. number one receiver is Demir Bird. Right. Like followed by uh, a guy, two guys that never even played quarterback until like three years ago, and Gunnar yeah, I mean, and Jacoby Myers, and then and then a guy named Zuber Wilkerson and uh, Kinsley. Yeah, not in the the last guy's the one that went to Berry College, right? Berry like, College, three, Berry yep. Co- yep. Wow, we're really moving down the. Uh, pretty soon they'll be like bringing up receivers from a high school team. Well, they can't play. The high schools aren't allowed to play, so this guy's available right now. We might right. as well bring him in. Um. So I guess that brings us to we'll get into the game here. So I, I guess we'll start with the the forecast in Buffalo because I think you joked to me yesterday the Patriots like biggest like uh, player is the wind. Because yep. winds are forecasted to be in the 20-mile-an-hour range with gusts up to 40, maybe in 50, rain. So that's sort of always an equalizer. And Josh Allen kind of could have a little bit of cockiness, maybe that I can throw the ball through the wind. I can throw it 40 yards still, and maybe that leads to some picks. And I don't know. I think the Patriots do have a ground game, so to speak, if they can commit to it and be successful. And the Bills have had some trouble with the run. So – I guess that's a as, that's an aspect of the game to feel good about, if there is any. Yes, I do think the two things you'd lean on is dramatic weather is generally an equalizer. De- generally helps the the lesser team, the weaker team, kind of level the playing field. And the Patriots can run the ball. I think we've all agreed that their greatest strength, maybe their only strength, is running the football. Cam Newton runs all of that. The flip side, I would say though, is the Patriots' run defense stinks. <laughs> yes. So if the Bills, who also have a quarterback who can run, who also could run the football at you, good news for you and I is we may have a very fast-paced running clock game. It may not be a great game, and it may not necessarily mean that the Patriots are going to win because I do think the Bills could take the same approach. Maybe both teams say our quarterback's going to run it 10 to 15 times. We're going to run it 35, 40 times total, and we'll see what happens. And I, I think the Bills have just as good a chance to win with that game plan against this Patriots defense as vice versa as the Patriots doing it to them. But um, it, you really just never know. And the wild card in the old days, I'd say the wild card would be Josh Allen. Like he could throw a couple ugly picks, but so mm-hmm. Cam Newton. He's uglier. He's uglier. He has, he has more of a chance to do it this week. Right. So I have trouble stamping anything as like, this is why the Patriots will win in Buffalo on Sunday. Like, you can talk yourself into a Fitzy-like, you know, best-case scenario, hopeful mentality, I guess, and say, you know, Belichick's the better coach. 
and Josh Allen will throw an ugly pick. Okay, that's fine. And Cam Newton might throw an ugly pick and the Bills are at home. And I would argue the Bills are still the more all-around talented team. Um, the most definitive thing is it should help limit Stephon Diggs and, and their yes. passing game. Like, that, that's kind of a definitive. But beyond that, I still think it's a crapshoot and a crapshoot the Bills have an advantage in. Um, I, I, from a, I, I don't know. I, I kind of go the other way. Like, I think that this is – it falls into the strength of the Patriots with everything that's going on. Like, I think that it's a must-win here. But then if you look at how it's being talked about in Buffalo where, oh, this is their chance to bury the dynasty, we can finally take over. I think this is setting up for a classic Buffalo choke job. And they kind of overlook this game in a way, and the Patriots just keep on winning in Buffalo like they always have. Yeah, I think that's very um... – positive outlook for you I think that's taking into account history I think that's taking into it because I agree with you classic if you use the word classic this is a classic rally the troops shut the critics up kind of game for the Patriots I just don't think anything about these Patriots is classic the only thing that's classic about them is Bill Belichick and that hasn't worked that hasn't been enough that hasn't been nearly enough that hasn't been good enough um you know I just think if we look at the what has happened in recent weeks even for the Bills, because people want to say, oh, the Bills came back to reality. Yep. Well, they played the Titans and the Chiefs, two good football teams. And then when they played a, a crappy football team, they took care of business. It wasn't pretty, but they took care of business. And you know what they're playing again at home this week? A crappy okay. football team, right? So I, I just, in some ways, I understand the, the disrespect or the cautious approach to the Bills and how good they are. And then in the other, I would say, they made the playoffs two of the last three years. They were a playoff team a year ago. They beat – this year they have beaten every team they're supposed to beat. They haven't played great competition, and when they're supposed to win the game, they've won the game. To me, Sunday afternoon at 1 when they take the field at home in Buffalo against a Patriots team that's 2-4, and four, that's lost three in a row, that can't score, the Bills are supposed to win the game. So they should win the game. I just – I don't know. I just – I had a gut feeling last week that they were going to lose just based on – everybody was making our my argument last week, you included, right? What? Last week you said that the Patriots were going to win against the uh, Niners. You did. You, you yeah. picked on the show. No, I know. I know. But I the learned reason from my was – what was your reason? Because they don't lose these types of games. Bill Belichick's going to rally the troops. Like they're, they're not going to lose three in a row. Yeah, I don't know that I phrased it necessarily quite that way, but yeah, no, but the difference is I I try not to be what Bill Belichick despises, an error repeater. I, I try to learn from my mistakes and be better because of them. And at some point you just have to say, the Patriots stink. Uh I'm picking the Bills because you you don't think the Patriots are gonna win this game. You think the Bills are gonna lose this game. Well, I was going to get to my next point. I think that the, the, you have the offensive line is, is back. Like, you would assume that they're back at full strength like they were last week. And I yep. think this, this is an opportunity to actually run the ball against a team that struggles against the run. And I think if you get off, if you get off to a good start and you play from ahead, which they did earlier against Miami, really, that was why that they were able to be successful. <laughs> we're looking back to week one. <laughs> but, but they were able to run the ball against Miami because they were ahead. Yes. And if they, can, if they can play from ahead this week, I think that they're able to run the ball the entire game and don't have to force Cam Newton to throw the ball 
which is which is leads to mistakes. So if you can get off to a good start, play from ahead, I think they have a good chance of winning this game. I think they have a chance to win the game. And I, I agree with the idea that I'm always hesitant with Josh Allen and the Bills. I'm still not ready to assume. But my my point was like that's not really fair. They are beating the teams they're supposed to be. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They're not able to take the next step. They're not able to, to become a Super Bowl contender or an elite AFC team. They lose those games. And in the past, that would have mattered in this matchup. But the Patriots stink. The Patriots are a bad team. This is the game the Bills are supposed to win. I do agree with you, and I said this last week, and it's become more and more evident. The, the start of the game, the first two drives, both you know the two teams, the first opening possession, are massive for the Patriots because they they have to be bullies they have to control the game they have to play from ahead and if not and and even then by the way I don't necessarily just assume they're going to be fine like if they drive down the field and go up seven nothing it's not like the old days well game over Buffalo you're in trouble you're not getting this one no 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 go down the field and score seven points just as quickly and this will be 60 minutes this will be a 60 minute game I find it hard to believe this game will be over early for either team really yeah now I think there's a better chance the Bills could make it over than the Patriots can make it over um because we get into what happened last week effort desire the mentality of the team for the Patriots and you know if if the Bills start rolling I I I don't know what the mentality and the the effort and the impact will be I think this could go downhill quickly for the Patriots if if Buffalo gets off to a 14 nothing lead like I this could get ugly Yes, I, I would agree with that. So, um, yeah, I don't – again, I don't eliminate the chance of the Patriots winning, but right now, other than history, what am I picking? Like, history that the Bills aren't as good as we think they are or aren't capable of winning these games or well, history that the Patriots We're going are. off of that, but also the Patriots have shown they can run the ball, and Buffalo has shown this year they can't stop the run. Sure. And the Bills can run the ball and the, well, not great, but, and the Patriots can't stop the run. Flat out can't. Right. Guy I barely ever heard of rushed for a hundred yards in the first half last week. And the only thing that stopped him was an injury. Yes. Right. Like I, I, and you know what I'd also throw in Sean McDermott. Okay. I don't know what I think of him. I do know what I think of Brian Dable. I think he's a good offense coordinator. He Remember back in the day was the offense coordinator of the Browns when they had a huge upset and he had wrinkles worked in. So even if they go ground game and their offense is a little limited, he'll have wrinkles in the ground game. I think Brian Dable is a check in the positive column for the Buffalo Bills and what they may be able to do to the Patriots and his familiarity with the Patriots and all that and the, the defense. So that's another factor I think in here, even if it turns into a uh, an offensive, we got to find a way game. I like Brian Dable's ability to find a way. I, you think he could take some of the things that Kyle Shanahan was successful with last week and use it against the Patriots this week? Because they, they kind of have the guys at receiver to do that. I certainly would try, especially in a game where you're not throwing the ball down the field. So, hey, uh, the other team threw the ball five yards behind the line of scrimmage last week and turned it into a lot of productive plays. Why can't we do that? Like, let's see what our guys can do after the catch. So, yes, I would I, – I would. That's only smart. If another team shows a weakness, see if you can expose that weakness as well, especially if weather kind of pushes you in that direction. Throw the ball at the line of scrimmage. Uh, I guess should we further this conversation to what happens if they win or lose into what happens early next week? Well, that would certainly, yes, be a, a segue into the trade deadline. The early, you know, we've already seen some moves across the NFL. We'll see how things pick up, what kind of trade deadline this is. Um, but the, the Stefan Gilmore story, his house being on the market um, with 
offers due Tuesday at 5 p.m., which very, very busy day. It's election day. It's trade deadline day. You get to get your offers on Stefan Gilmore's right, house in. Right, right. A lot going on that day on Tuesday. Um, I, I find it, uh, do we really think, because there was a report from Albert Breer that they, they're listening on anybody, I guess. Yeah, said t- teams of, they're telling teams they listen on anybody. I, I don't know. I think that's just classic Bill saying, yeah, what are you going to offer me? Right. And first of all, if, if I'm an owner and I'm a team that isn't doing that, then I'm firing my GM. Like, right. Uh, yeah. Why we're not listening. I agree. What, what if, you know, a team offers, I don't know, three first round picks for X player. Like, you know, of course. Like, I mean, I could probably come up on one hand, maybe the number of players I think league wide, 32 teams shouldn't be listened on, right? You're not listening on Patrick Mahomes. You're not listening on Russell Wilson. Yep. You know, there's a probably Joe Burrow, maybe, but I don't even know about that. Like, right. There's very few players that you shouldn't at least listen on. So I don't know if that report. To the, to the flip side, to the Patriots, how many players do you think they even have that teams would actually be calling on? Um, Stephon Gilmore's one, certainly. Sure. One. Um, Joe Tooney should be one. Okay. Um, You're not calling on Edelman Jackson. now. J.C. Jackson should yep. be one. Yep. Um, so Jake Bailey should be one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, the big punter traded the deadline. Um, who am I leaving? I mean, any of the offensive line, I guess you could I say. Thinking, like, maybe you, you feel good about like Damian Harris and like, oh, you have a lot of running backs. Like, yeah, but no, Lawrence I know. Guy, maybe Lawrence Guy. If, if you're a team that needs like veteran defensive tackle depth. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's a small list. It's right. You, probably don't need more than one hand to count the players that no. teams would call on. No. Um, but, but I also just get this this point. Like, I, I don't think Sunday's result determines what they're going to do. I think that's being sort of a blown out of proportion narrative. I agree 100%. I mean, I told you, I think it was a mistake when the Red Sox did that a couple of years ago. They had a good Yankees series and they made a decision based on that that I think was dumb. I, I don't think you – you know, especially in a baseball season, which is so long, and at right. that point you are who you are. But if the Patriots are three and four after Sunday, so now suddenly they're Super Bowl contenders. Are they right? I mean, I still think best case scenario for this team is you're the seven seed, you sneak in, or whatever, and you're kind of postseason fodder. You're well, not- that's what I was just gonna say. Like the ceiling of this team is, I don't know, winning the division and then probably getting a tough matchup in the first round of the playoffs, like right? That's a ceiling. And that's not even a well, good. I would say the absolute ceiling, having not really looked at the numbers would be you win the division and then somehow play a wild card team from your division, either the dolphins or the bills. Yeah. And then maybe have a shot to win that game. But then, like, you're, but then you're not, I don't give you any chance of getting any further than that. 100%. That, but to me, like the absolute pie in the sky ceiling is win the division, play another AFC East team in the postseason, somehow steal that game, win that game, and then bye-bye, the season ends the next so, week. To that point, like any player that you add is not going to change the outlook on the season. No, and, and this is what it gets back to. We've talked about this for weeks now, that this isn't about adding a player to help this season because you have too many holes. You have holes everywhere. This is about 
do you just have a roster building quote unquote opportunity for the long haul? And that's why I've advocated for, I think you can be buyers and sellers. You can. And I actually think that plays into Teddy Bruschi's comments on our station that if you trade Stefan Gilmore, you're waving the white flag, the locker room is lost, the season's over. Yeah. But if I trade Stefan Gilmore and either in the same deal or a different deal, trade for a wide receiver or a tight end or something. Now I've kind of muddied the water as to oh, well, what direction I'm in. Yeah. And I think maybe that's enough to continue to get players to play for you and work. I, and, I would also add to that point. I know it's different inside the locker room, the message, like how much worse would they really be if they traded Stefan Gilmore? Not much. No, not like I, not significantly. No, I don't, not at all. Don't that's why I would, I mean, I definitely can consider it. The only thing I said is don't just unload him. Don't trade him because, oh, that team, best I got was a, a late or, third. Or a brown pick, yeah. Right. No, now I'm waiting till the spring where I think I can get more, where people are more in true roster building mode and they know their, their financial situation, their draft situation, whatever. Um, but yeah, and, and it also plays into, now I don't know where reality and – PFF analytics meet in terms of JC Jackson. They have JC Jackson. Everybody wants to tell me JC Jackson's the number one corner. He's as good or better than Stefan Gilmore. You're going to have to pay him if you want to keep him moving forward, right? He's going to be a restricted free agent after this year. And then after that, you're, he's looking big right. money, right? I mean, right. his agent will be using pro football focus as much as any, right? He, best he's, already corner, got, he's already got those tweets screenshotted and printed out. Right. So, you, but you have a guy and you have depth at that position. And I'm not saying like Jason McCourty is what he is. He's getting old. He might not be part of the, the future, but just with JC Jackson, Jonathan Jones and Joe Juan Williams, you have young cornerback position there, right? Like you're building a young secondary add in Kyle Duggar, right? Now you have the the makings of a young secondary as you move forward, where you could say, even in this transition, the secondary, if you trade Gilmore, could be the strength of your team with these young guys that you've invested in. So yeah, I think they should listen on anybody. I think they should be aggressive. Um, now I don't, I don't know if they will be, it'll be interesting to see how they feel about the trade market. And well, I've said, looking at receivers that like we talked about, you might want to add a guy like a Snoo Lasher that's under contract for a year after it's not just a rental. There's not many guys that fit that bill. No, no, there isn't. And I mean, that's why, even though I think they're set up for it with draft picks and cap space and opportunity, you still have to. You don't want to just do it for the sake of doing it. You have to do it with a purpose. Right. Don't just trade Gilmore for the sake of doing it and don't add some tight end just for the sake of doing it. Like, it has to really make long-term sense. Other than, otherwise, trade Gilmore if it makes sense, keep the cap space, roll it over. And you are going to have plenty of uh, flexibility opportunities next March, next April, heading into the draft. I mean, your draft pick. As the season unfolds, I think right now they're like 11th in the draft. Um, You want to have flexibility there because, okay, you're not going to bottom out. You're not going to have the number one pick. But if you're picking 10th, you can get to four if you want to. And, you know, we're seeing more and more. Now, again, I have no idea what these mock drafts, the, there's three quarterbacks and then everybody's figuring out who's four, who's how many could yeah. go in the first round, because now you have mock drafts that say Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance could go in the top four picks. And then there's the talk that Trevor Lawrence should go back to school. 
there's that possibility as well. I, I do find it interesting that he kind of talked about it. And then uh, Dabo Sweeney actually talked about it. Like he doesn't buy it necessarily, but he threw in the whole, I didn't think Christian Wilkins was coming back for his final year either. And he did. So I don't know how realistic that is, but my point is you want to have as much flexibility as possible next spring. So don't do something at the trade deadline that in any way devalues your opportunities in March and April of next year. That would be how I would look at it. Quick aside, just some logistic Patriot stuff. The practice today has been moved inside the Empower Fieldhouse and no uh, tier three media will be allowed. So I don't think we'll be getting attendance at practice. Well, you'll get a pool report, right? From Mike Reese. I don't, I don't know how that necessarily works. I think he, if you're in that tier, you have to get tested all the time. And I don't know if he has been. Oh, so we don't have anybody that'll be reporting? Mike Giardi? Anybody? I'm not sure. I don't think he's been tested. That's just, I don't know. Well, I'll look into that. I will say, I uh, looking to my right and out the window, it's snowing at my house. So it's snowing here and sticking to the ground considerably. Oh, mine's not sticking. It's still very wet, but... My golf round tomorrow morning was looking in jeopardy. So we mocked, or, or not mocked, I, oh, God forbid your golf round. I just heard that. <laughs> Um, it is, after all, just about November. It's almost time in New England to say golf season's over. Uh, no, it's always open for me. I've, I've, played, I've played December by Christmas. Oh, Jesus. Yep. So do you wear two gloves when you play? Because your hands oh. have to be cold. Nope, just one. Nope. Nope. Your hand's not cold? Nope. How? Well, I'm one of these psychos that don't wear gloves when they shovel snow. What? Yeah. <laughs> Why? I'm not a big glove fan. I, don't, like, I just don't like them. So you prefer to have really cold hands? I guess, yeah. Stated back when I was a kid, just never wore gloves. So why wear a shirt? Do you wear boots? Like, <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. I do. Why not just be a nudist uh, snow shoveler? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that crazy. Um, getting back to uh, the weather and practice going inside. So a week ago, I joked that the dynasty is deemed over because they put out the all-dynasty team. Yep. Should I take... Because I thought the Patriots always practiced outside, but Bill knows they have no shot of playing in January when it could be snowy and windy. So why practice in the snow and the in the wind? My only thought to that is that it's been rainy the past two days and they've been outside both days, so maybe they've already gotten used to the elements. Well, I'm just saying there's an opportunity to practice in some snow, and that is something that Bill would, that Bill would say any other year all the time. Like yes. We're going to have to play in the snow in January. Might as well play in it now. Right. He's thinking, we got no shot to play in the snow in January, so might as well go inside. So might as well be warm for this Friday practice. <laughs> no need for me to freeze my 68-year-old butt off out there. Yes, that's another minor Just thing. an observation. Just an observation. Yep. I thought they always practiced outside because you're going to have to play in it. Uh, anything else that we were missing with the trade deadline? Um, no. I just the thing I'm most interested in is so we've you and I have kind of not mocked but been down on the the real big name trade rumor ideas not just for the Patriots but but in general yep and you know the whole idea that oh the Falcons are going to trade Julio Jones and Matt Ryan yep I found it interesting that while I'm watching the Falcons game last night Troy Aikman brought it up they talked openly about the fact that even Julio Jones and Matt Ryan have answered questions about being traded. So maybe I've been a bit dismissive of the idea that franchise superstar players like that could be traded right now. Maybe those two guys in particular, but I'm sorry. If it's, if it's just a, an internet rumor, uh, uh, 
I don't think Troy Aikman is talking about it. And I don't think they're asking Julio Jones and Matt Ryan about it. I found that interesting that they at least broached that topic with those guys and on the broadcast last night. Yes. I mean, I, it's sort of the thing that we talked about before. Like, if you're the Patriots, you listen to every player. If you're the Falcons, you listen to every player. If the Falcons get a good offer for any of those two players, why not do the deal? Well, I don't know. I just don't. I don't I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just, you have to look at their perspective. Yeah, I know. And I have to eat, like, a ridiculous amount of cap money, and I have to find a quarterback. No, I, I, I agree. But let's just say that you got, you, you're trading with a team that you know is going to be in the top 10 and you're getting their first-round pick. And now I have two first, two top ten picks because I right. stink. So then you probably listen to it. Yeah, I did see a mock draft where they, they had Trey Lance at four to the Falcons. So that's how you have to view it from their perspective. I, I, I'm with you. I, don't, I think it's unlikely that either of those players get traded, but I think it's – you can't rule it out. Okay, it's interesting. Uh, one thing we didn't touch on um, in relation to the game slash the trade deadline because I think it fits both questions – uh, Stefan Gilmore added to the injury report with a knee issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? I found, that, I found that interesting, especially that it came up on Thursday. He practiced in full on Wednesday. Like, was that one of those, yeah, Bill, like my, my knee's kind of hurting. Uh, I don't know if I can, I can necessarily give it a go on Sunday. Yeah, I don't necessarily know or, what it is, but it smells funny. Or it could be the Patriots saying, we might be trading Gilmore. We don't want you to get hurt in the game on Sunday, but we're going to list you with a knee injury. So if you're inactive, you can say, oh, he had a knee injury. Or could Kinda it also just like be- Sony Michelle earlier this year when he was listed on the injury report with whatever he had, and then he got put on IR. I mean, it's, I guess it's a little bit different, but. Or it could it also be, um, yeah, we know Gilmore hasn't played great. We just wanted to let you know he's actually dealing with a slight knee injury. No big deal, but just it could be an excuse for why he hasn't been quite as dominant. Right, right. <laughs> I, I think it smells funny. Whatever it is, I don't. Maybe we'll know retroactively. As you said, maybe it's something on his end, the team's end, something. But I, I it smells funny, and the timing, the it's all too conveniently. I don't even know. It smells. It just smells. Of course it does. There's no, there's no doubt about it. And so, usually, I've told you this: when things smell, there's a reason they smell. Yes, yeah, so we'll pro- this story will probably be advanced, I guess. It could be today. Maybe he doesn't practice at all today, and he's ruled out. Um, but then also more on Sunday if he's active or inactive. I will also say, does that affect their chances to win? Say he is inactive. No. And? No. I saw, I saw it. I'll talk about this, too. We talked about it after the game. I thought the effort level was bad on defense, especially Gilmore. Like, have yep. you seen some of these screen grabs of him defending the run, like running yeah. away from guys? The only thing I'll say is, A, cornerbacks defending the run is always a, a talking point. Or yeah, but don't person. we talk about the Patriots cornerbacks love contact and are physical and don't mind getting involved in the tackling game? Right, and he had some good hits in that game, too. I could go back and find him if I wanted to do a Matt Chatham counter-narrative something. I could go back, and there, there was one in particular down on, like, the seven-yard line where he had a big hit. So I could go, you know, snip at those. I think the least of their problems is how Stefan Gilmore deals with the run. I don't think he's covered as well this year at all. Right. I think, A, his penalties are up. His interceptions are down. He's gotten away with few. He's been beaten twice for big plays where the guy flat out dropped it. Flat out dropped it. That would adversely affect his numbers. So how he plays the run isn't necessarily – and I also think if we're going to do that with Stefan Gilmore, okay, I want to do it with Devin McCourty. I want to do it with Jason McCourty. I want to do it with other people. Why are we picking on Stephon Gilmore? Sure. 
That, that's right? valid. No, I am. Okay. Because I, I think there were opportunities in that game to pick on others, especially in the defensive backfield for the way they played the run. And maybe they felt like the game got out of hand and they were making business decisions, as they like to say, in terms of their body yes. and physicality. Yes. Uh, what was the other thing we wanted to get to on this podcast? There was another. There was the game, the trade deadline. What else? Uh, Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman. Um, Maybe that was it. Have we seen the last of Julian Edelman? Because I know that uh, Lou Merloni's first takeaway was we've probably seen the last of Julian Edelman. Now, no, Bill pooh that by saying it's not season ending. I, I, I don't think that's the case. Um, I, I don't – my outlook on Julian Edelman, for, like, hasn't changed going into this year. Like, both – you and I both agreed he wasn't going to really be, like, a number one receiver anymore. That's just not who he is. He's 34. He's banged up. I think he could, he could come back and still be a contributor. Sure. Yeah, I mean, at that point, it might be, you know, useless kind of. Well, it might be like an Amendola-type role that, like, you monitor snaps and then let him loose in the postseason and, or on big plays, big games. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think we've seen the last of him. So, he's been a great Patriot, right? Done everything you could have asked for? So, there's this thing people throw around in business, like a golden parachute. There's a chance Julian Edelman's not a Patriot next year, correct? Sure, yeah. Okay. So... It's funny because this just came to me. In somebody asked me if he hadn't get, gotten hurt, would Julian Edelman have been traded? And I said no. Now that he's hurt, not season ending, he'll have a chance to return this year. Would you give him a golden parachute and trade him so he can, I don't know, be on a contender when he's healthy in December or January? Yes. Would that yeah. contender be named the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Uh, well, we. Some people talk about that. Uh, no, I do not think they'll be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think that that team would just – I don't know how that would even function. Like, how, how, how would you please all those receivers? I don't know. That's Brady's problem, not mine. How, how would Chris Godwin and Mike Evans feel? Well, I already think that's an issue without Edelman. Right. How that's going to play out. Um, and we've seen uh, Evans' numbers down a little bit, I yeah, think. Has, and Godwin's yeah, been has, hurt, so it's hard the same to, number of receptions as Godwin when he's played three less games. So – I. Yeah, I, it, just, it just came to me, like, would you ever consider and is in the injury a way to say, we're not going to need him. Like, we're not going to – he's not going to be that valuable to us. Could we get a fifth or a sixth round pick for Julian Edelman and so that when he's done in a month with his rehab that he could come back to a situation where he – Yeah, but then you also have to look like he could potentially help you next year. You don't have any receivers. Oh, yeah, that's a problem. But right. Are we going to lean on him again next year? No, I'm just like, he could help you in certain situations. And they, you know, he's, he's proven a lot in the past. Yeah. In the past, he'll be 35 next year. It's a t I don't know. I could see it. I, I don't think it's to the Bucks. And I think that if we're going to talk about the Bucks, I think Tom Brady's putting himself in a very tough spot. I think you guys talked about it on the radio yesterday. They're almost Super Bowl or bust and they've made it Super Bowl or bust. Oh yeah. And I actually like that. I like that in a way. Brady has put it all on him. Like, it, it's Super Bowl or bust. There's no excuses. you got everything you've ever wanted. You have power, control. They're putting your plays in, everything. It's all on you. you so if, if this doesn't win and you don't go and play in the Super Bowl in Tampa, I don't want to hear anything. It, you had everything you wanted, needed, whatever. So I, I kind of like that, that he – and I do think he has helped put it on himself. No question. Bringing Gronk in, bringing AB in, that whole thing. Um, but it just, it just hit me. Would you, would you sort of, if you're rebuilding, so not only do you get a pick for Edelman, but maybe you're throwing him a bone and letting him play a meaningful game. 
I mean, he's, uh, he's the all-time, second all-time leading postseason receiver. Let him go play in the postseason well, again. Well, so, but you, you said you'd get something for him. You're not getting anything from Julian Adam. You're getting like a late-round pick. And at that a point, six-round pick. Is that worth it? Tom Brady was a six-round pick. But at that point, you, you might as well just like sell, you might as well just trade him for like a, a bag of balls. Like, sure. Well, it, yeah. If this were a different sport, maybe it'd be cash considerations or something. Player to be named later. Right. But it's football, so I can get a late round pick for him. Um, I don't, I honestly, that'd probably be like more on Edelman and how he feels. Like, I think that Bill would maybe recognize if he's considering it all, he'd go to Edelman and say, What do you want to do here? Like, what, what's your feeling on this? Because, you know, everybody has been, you know, rumbling. Oh, the Patriots could trade Gilmore and Edelman to the Bucks. Tom Brady likes Gilmore. Tom Brady likes Edelman. Tom Brady gets what he wants, gets what he likes. This is Tom Brady's world. Just living in it. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. I, are you looking forward to the trade deadline in general? No, because I think it's going to be underwhelming. Plus, it's election day, so that's going to. But I just think this happens every year. Like, we talk about, like, oh, this guy and this guy and this guy. And then at the end of the day, it's like, I don't even, like, um, who have the Patriots gotten? Like, Jonathan Casillas, just random guy. Oh, they got a key to leave. Okay. But, Mohamed uh, was Sanu. That, was that even up? They traded Jimmy Collins. Right. traded Jimmy Garoppolo. But, like. Made noteworthy deals. I just don't see it this year. So you don't think Gilmore gets dealt? I don't. I don't really either, because I don't think it's going to be good value. Right. I kind of want him to be, because for, like, the story, I think it's interesting. Right. But I think you're right with Bill. I think Bill, like, I, he's going to say, I can hold on to this guy and maybe get a one or a two next right. April. Why would I give him now for a three? Yeah, and, and I think that's – and now some people will say, well, oh, yeah, not really. So, Tooney, do you think they'll, they'll – they'll, well, so they'll The same thing, be- like – I think we've even talked about this. Like what team is like, we need a guard. <laughs> like, and with him, he's, he's a rental. He's a pure rental. Like you're, if you're going to trade for Joe Tooney, you need to commit to signing him for a long-term deal. Right. Which so I mean, maybe somebody could, who knows? But even at that point, what are you getting for Joe Tooney? You're not getting a two. You're probably getting a three or a four. Yeah. My guess is Joe Tooney be similar to the Collins where, you're getting the same compensation. You're just getting it a year earlier. earlier. Instead of waiting right. for him to go, getting it the year after, you get it a year earlier. So, I, and I don't know. I hope it's not a disappointment. I don't think it'll be – I mean, high end would be either Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, somebody like that gets traded, or Stephon Gilmore for, for sure. our purposes. Low end would be, oh, they send a seventh for a backup linebacker we've never heard of. And right. maybe – that's what I think is the more likely scenario or the, uh, a random wide receiver that, you know, a former first round pick that, you know, is just looking for the next step and Bill's going to find it. Yeah. The next step towards the end of his career when change of That's, scenery doesn't do him any good. I've gone through, I mean, you're right that they have made some bigger moves in the past, but we've seen this almost every year. It's such a letdown. Okay. Sorry. I was trying to, you know, look forward to something. That's my prediction. Do you feel differently? Um, to me, the wild card is Gilmore. He's the wild card. I, like, I but think even then, like we said, him. like, so what? They trade him. Like, how much worse are they? Does it, and if they trade him, like, it's not like you you automatically say, oh, they're they're tanking. They're not making the playoffs. Like, you could still win the division without Stephon Gilmore. You could, but removing your best player. And whatever message that sends to the remaining players, 
I think that diminishes your chances of of doing anything greatly. Yeah. And by that point, you might have lost to the Bills too already. Right, right. Which you add those two things together, you trade Gilmore and you lost to the Bills on Sunday, the season's over. Okay, let's just play that out. If that happens, do you uh, move on from Cam Newton and let Jared Siddham start games? See, I know that's a popular Dale Arnold opinion that – I mean, I think you kind of have to if you want to pull Newton because Bill Belichick said definitively he's still our quarterback because he's our best player at the position. So a week later, he's not the best player at the position. So if I'm a player and you go to Stidham, so now we're putting people on the field who aren't the best player at the position. But at some point, you need to get something out of this season and finding out if Jared Sim can play is becomes a thing you need to actually do. Right. But my point would be, you trade Stephon Gilmore, you take out the best quarterback to put in another quarterback who isn't as good. Right. You might as well just stand in front of the meeting room and say, guys, we're not trying to win. So if any of you want to mail in the rest of the season, maybe pull a hammy and sit so, out go ahead. Right. Well, so I think you have to do that, but it's not the next week. It's probably two, three, four weeks down the line when you're getting into Thanksgiving and then you can get guys, Oh, my knee's been bothering me all year. I got to sit out. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, it could happen. And I'm sorry, Teddy Bruschi is a player. He knows what he's talking about. And it's, he's, he Sometimes. was a player that Sometimes. did what? Sometimes. I don't know. He's been pretty honest the last couple of weeks. He said they're not very good anymore. And then he said that you're sending a terrible message if you trade your best player and the, the locker room will go down well, the Well, he also talked out of two sides of his mouth when he was talking about Gilmore because he said that Gilmore has been better the last couple of games, but then immediately said that George Kittle burned him a couple of times. Well, he did. I mean. I know, but like. Stephen Gilmore has been much better the last couple of games. No, I don't think Gilmore has been great all year, but I do think Bill Belichick is walking um, a very unfamiliar, precarious tightrope with his football team right now in terms there of is. personnel and motivation and everything falling apart and what he's saying and how people are going to react to it. it. It's going to be interesting. That said, what percentage? We'll finish up on this a positive note. Well, it might not be positive depending on your answer, but. Um, what percentage do you give the Patriots to, over the next two weeks, go to Buffalo, beat the Bills, beat the Jets, be four and four, be right back in it, and we're having a much more positive conversation two weeks from now? 45%. Ooh, so actually relatively high. Well, I, I have them winning this week. And if they win this week, they They're should They're probably going to win next week against the Jets. Jets stink. I mean, that'll be a major letdown. Well, I guess – doesn't lose. I changed that. 55%. 55% chance that the Patriots will win the next two games, pull to 500, and be ready to roll until they get rolled. No, no I'm not saying ready to I mean, they're right. playing the Ravens after that. So I, I think everybody will, oh, well, we're back four and four. Even if we lose, we're still maybe in it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I would put it probably lower than you because I think there's a good chance they lose in Buffalo. So I don't really. But it's it's not – impossible like we're everything feels bad right now cam newton sucks gilmore's hurt edelman's out the trade deadline three in a row all of that feels lousy right you're yeah. not that far from being a 500 football team you're really yeah. not uh before i we got a question last week on our the off day pod twitter account thank you daniel uh, harris for asking us don't know where to drop questions for your next pod so dropping it here is the patriots lack of weapons due to their system and inability to develop show off talent or the guys they just bring in not talented enough? Um, I would say 
more the latter than the former. I would agree. Um, I'm sorry. The system's been too productive for too long. It included Tom Brady. I know that. But it also included others where they found a way. Matt Castle time. You know, we all know those. Right, 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 right. Um, and I would say, like, they, I don't think Nikhil Harry is a star receiver who's being held back by the Patriots no, system. No, I think he is who he is. He Would somebody else maybe invest more throws in him or force the ball? I don't know, maybe. Like, I was just um, – I was thinking there this last week, like, I think Shanahan would do a better job getting the most out of him. Right. Um, I, I would agree with that, but – is he good? But I, but is I don't he, think he would be turned into like you. He wouldn't ever be in the conversation that DK Metcalf is in, or you know any of those. Or AJ Brown. You know I mean, if we go back a few years, Kembrell Tompkins, Aaron Dobson, Taylor Price, none of them went elsewhere and had NFL careers. They were out of football soon thereafter. Or right now, do you like Jacoby Myers? Is what he is. Like, I personally think he might be their best receiver, but that's not saying much based on this core. Um, no, I think they have not been even Muhammad Sanu, like the veteran guys they brought in like that. Like, no, Muhammad Sanu, where is he now? Uh, he's on the street. Same place you and I are sitting on his couch. Like he's available. He's not good. It is what, even when he was good, he wasn't that good. Even at his best, he was a three, whatever. So no, I think they haven't brought enough talent in same at tight end, right? They haven't. They took a flyer on Matt Lacoste. Okay, that's great. You have a late-round pick in Izzo. You have a couple mid-round picks in, in the young guys, Asi Asi and Keen. Maybe they'll play. They don't have a lot of talent at the skill position players. I think if you put more talented players in those spots, the scheme would be okay. I would agree. Okay. Uh, picks for the game. We, we already know who, which side we're picking, but what do you got for a score? Uh, Bills 20, Patriots 11. They continue to score less than 13 points. Uh, Patriots 21, Bills 17. 21-17, Patriots. Optimism abounds, and your predicted trip to the AFC title game is still in play, right? Uh, I guess, technically, yes, still in play. <laughs> they haven't been eliminated from the playoffs yet. Uh, that's true. Now, I still say the window's kind of tight because I think there's like five teams that are already uh, kind of setting themselves up as playoff teams. So you're playing for the last couple spots, but whatever. Yep. I appreciate your optimism. I appreciate your efforts. It's weird right. that you're so optimistic with the Patriots. You'd think people on Twitter would like you more. <laughs> uh, yeah. I know. Well, just the Garoppolo stuff. I was still, I took a little, a little poke earlier in the week after the, the game to just resurface the column and just get my point across again, which people still don't understand, but that's besides the point. People do not understand it, but that's their problem, not yours. And I, I don't want to go back. Like that's a, we're looking ahead. Like I'm not going to, cause I could, we could talk about this every single week, basically. Uh, yes. And depending on how the next couple of weeks play out, we may be talking about this and the draft a lot more. Right. I don't want that. I don't, I don't want that either. I, it actually hit me yesterday. After the Edelman news broke in like the third hour on Dale and Keith, I was like, wow, this is what it's like to cover a bad team that has no future in the season and you're, it's October and you're thinking about draft positioning. Yeah. And that's, that's not what we're looking for as Bill so Belichick. What we're looking for is we want that, those things to come true, win this week and win next week, and then you're four and four and you can kind of talk yourself into more things. Right back in it, we're talking about playoffs and meaningful games. Yes.
All right. Well, uh, we'll talk. Uh, this could be a, a Sunday night podcast with the road uh, one o'clock start. Well, it should be. It's a one o'clock game. I mean. <laughs> so yes, look look for this Sunday night for you. Unless you, you have a four thirty tea time or something, you can get to. Stay like savings. Get start at five o'clock. You don't have any courses with lights in the area, no. night golf or no. anything. No. no. I wish. I wish. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll talk to you this weekend. All right. Peace out.